Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very, very accomplished and senior professional from Sydney, Australia, Sherry Mylordis. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Ashutosh. Uh, Sherry is the founder of Next Genify. She's a work futurist and a transformation and innovation coach. Uh, she's a business transformation and innovation expert. And she's worked on the in the organizing committee of the 2000 Sydney Olympics. And in her own words, she's on a mission to help us reimagine work for a better world. So Sherry, before we get into talking about Next Genify, tell me a little bit about your own journey. Sure. Well, I'm actually originally from New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I was born in New Zealand and my mother is a Kiwi and my father is Australian. Mm -hmm. So I moved from New Zealand as a teenager to Australia, but uh, it's still part of my heart in terms of the, the beautiful culture and an amazing country Absolutely. and a, a country that punches above its weight in many ways. Um, I studied computer science at university. I knew that I wasn't going to be in a purely technical role, but I felt that it would be a stepping stone to something. Mm. And it did. It led, it led me to consulting. So I started my career in Accenture, and I'm actually a founding member of the firm's global change practice. So wow. it was when change management first uh, became a thing. I was right there at the beginning, which was mm. a really exciting time. Mm. Fascinating. And, you know, you also mentioned when I was reading about you that you're on a mission to help us reimagine work for a better world. Help me understand this and if possible, give me an example. Yes. Well, I have two bold claims to make. Um, I think we are at a signpost in the future of work and in the evolution of work. And I also think that the future of work is already here. You just have to know where to look. And so an example of that is an amazing company I'm working with right now in the Philippines, mm. all virtually. I hope to visit them soon, actually. But it's a very large conglomerate in the Philippines that started as a family business 100 years ago. Mm. And it's still led by the family today, but it's a multi-billion dollar conglomerate covering you know, power, banking, food, infrastructure, and technology. And what's exciting about this company is that the executives are really determined to advance business and communities for a better world. And, you know, the Philippines is a, is a developing country. They, they face many challenges. They have millions of overseas Filipino workers that, mm -hmm. that have to leave their families to mm -hmm. provide for them. And so this company is amazing because they've embarked on what they call their great transformation. Mm -hmm. And they want to turn their people into internal innovators and entrepreneurs. And so I'm part of a team of uh, world-class coaches from around the world that are helping them do that. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways we're doing that is we run these three-month innovation boot camps. Mm -hmm. And so we take, you know, high performers and high potentials, we take them through this amazing experience for three months. And coming out of that, they pitch ideas to solve big problems mm -hmm. in the Philippines and potentially broader. One of the teams I'm working with has just launched an amazing agri-tech initiative. It was launched mm -hmm. last week. And what they're trying to do is lift farmers out of poverty. And one of the problems that they've found is mm. that almost half of the fresh produce that farmers produce is actually wasted even oh. at the farm gate because mm. they don't have cold storage. Mm. And so they're deploying these solar-powered cold storage units and they're helping to digitise farmers because most of them don't even have a bank account, let alone know how to get 
finance or buy seed or whatever. Mm. So that's an example of um, an amazing team. It's three mm. millennials I'm working with that are on a mission to mm. do something really amazing and, and lift farmers out of poverty. Amazing. So yeah, that's an example that's that's yeah, happening. What, what right an amazing, now, what exciting. an amazing story you've shared, and I'm sure we'll be reading about this Filipino company in, in the next few years and how they have transformed themselves. But you also say that we've reached a signpost in the evolution of work. Yes. Tell me a little more about this. Sure. I know it sounds like a very bold claim, Ashutosh, and I actually have two bold claims to make. Mm-hmm. And this is the first one. Mm-hmm. And I really believe this because the truth is, many organizations are actually running on outdated models that come from the industrial revolution. Mm. So even though we have gone through four industrial revolutions and made incredible progress, the way we organize people and work Mm. actually stems back to a hundred years ago. Mm. And, you know, it's that top down, you know, giving people specific job descriptions, giving them instructions on what to do. And decisions are usually made at the upper echelons of an organization as opposed to where the information is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've got these quite traditional models in place and many people don't know that there's an alternative. Mm -hmm. But what's really interesting about now is that when the pandemic hit, even the most traditional leaders and organizations had to rapidly throw out their rule books. Hmm. And they had to do things on the fly and make decisions on a daily basis and Hmm. and just really radically shift the way they worked. Hmm. So we're in a really interesting time now because the entire world is now emerging from this chaotic few years and really trying to figure out what what work looks like. Mm -hmm. And it really needs to be good for business and people. Now, there's a lot of noise going on at the moment about hybrid working and that four-day work week and how do we attract and retain talent. Mm -hmm. I believe that if that's all that comes out of the last three years, then we have missed a huge opportunity. Mm. And that brings to me my second claim, which is that we that the future of work is actually already here. Mm. You just need to know where to look. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I believe we're at a signpost in the evolution of work right now. And this is our moment mm. because leaders have a choice. They can set that GPS back to that well-trodden path mm. with a bit of hybrid working and a few other sweeteners thrown in. Or they can choose a new road that's inspired by what extraordinary organizations are doing and have been doing for decades. Mm-hmm. So that's why I make that claim. Fascinating, fascinating. So one more question uh, for you know, I wanna wanna wanted to ask you that you know, you do you're a work futurist. Tell me a little bit about the work you're doing. Sure. So I'm really passionate about what it takes for people to do their best work. And I'm also really curious about what what would be the top issues or causes that people would take on Mm. if they really could do the best work of their lives. Mm. And this is what I speak about. And this is what I try and enable people to do when I work with leaders and teams as a coach. And for years, I've been following extraordinary organisations that that do things really differently. And in each case, it's it's very purpose-driven. They have this bold and audacious purpose that they may never get to, Mm -hmm. but that's what drives them. And that's how people show up every day. Mm -hmm. And so in these cases, the business thrives, the people thrive, their customers thrive, and it's really incredible. But when I was working inside corporates and I would share these stories with my colleagues and with leaders, really anyone who would listen, mm. I would find that people would say, oh, that's very interesting, but then they'd go back to doing things their old way. Mm. And 
I, so that really struck me. It's like, why when I'm showing you, I'm, I'm showing you the wheel, you know, and you're working in a, you know, in an old, in old broken down car, you know, why, why are you not interested in this? Hmm. So I've really been interested in, is, is that really, um, wh- why is that happening? Mm-hmm. And also I've felt there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that I've noticed over the years where people don't seem really fulfilled or really mm. valued at work. Mm. So I wanted to know if this was widespread. And I actually interviewed 100 leaders around the world last year to find out. And what I found was less than a third of people say they are currently doing their best work. And there's three real reasons underneath that, three themes. The first one is that why it's missing or it's unclear. Mm. So there's that organisational confusion and decisions are changing and they just don't have that clarity or that direction. Mm. The second one's all about culture. Uh, A lot of people feel quite micromanaged. They feel like they're not really empowered. Mm. Uh, And the third one is that the pandemic has really had a profound impact on what's important to people and what they're not prepared to put up with anymore. Correct. And so with all of this information, I've created a signature talk, and that paints a picture of an exciting new world of work with case studies. Um, it's really aimed at those current and emerging leaders who are really, they're not feeling fulfilled, but they don't really know why, and they don't really know what the answer is. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I do in terms of my speaking, but also in my coaching when I work with leaders and I work with teams, I really try and help them see this and i find that once they see it they can't unsee it fascinating so let's talk now about your coaching work that you're doing as a part of next genify i love the name next genify and uh, so i wanted to ask you tell me a little bit about next genify and uh, what is behind the name well it's a name i made up uh, and I, I was really driven by what's the next gen? What's the next gen of work? What's the next gen of leadership? What's the next gen that we need to have for a better world? And so that's how the name Next Genify came up. It's really about how it's a verb. So it's how do we create that, that next gen, something that's new and different and measurably better. And my tagline underneath that is enable extraordinary. And I really love the word extraordinary because it means something not ordinary, but special in a good way. Mm. And that means different things to different people. And so, and I also use the word enable because I want Next Genify to be the enabler. It's mm. about, you know, scaling this and equipping and enable people to achieve extraordinary things, whatever that might be. Fascinating. You know, and when I read about Next Genify, it was, it was so interesting because in the alphabet soup that we all seem to be going through, you know, Gen X, Gen Y, you know, millennials, Gen Z, Alpha, Gen, Gen Alpha. I said this next Genify cuts across all the alphabets. But <laughs> let me, you know, and ask you about coaching. After mm. so many years, uh, successful years as a corporate leader, what made you select coaching as a career? It's a great question, and I think working as a consultant and then going into the the corporate leadership roles. Mm. It's all about you having that responsibility to to do the work, to do the analysis, to deliver the outcomes. Um, But what I really find is is really lights me up is when I can equip and enable others to do extraordinary things. And so as a coach, I feel like I can do more of that. Mm. It's it's not just that sort of, you know, working with one team or one one role, Mm. but I can work with multiple people and I can equip and enable them to actually get out of their comfort zones 
and do something that that really they you know they care about something that matters to them within the context of their their organization or their team but actually achieve something that they couldn't have imagined Mm -hmm. and so for me it's about being that guide it's being non-threatening it's building that trust and creating that psychological safety Mm -hmm. but really helping them to be more bold Mm -hmm. and really go after something important and there's nothing more rewarding to me than than to see see people get to that point where it's like gee I never imagined that I could have done that amazing so it's about shining a light on others and and helping them to thrive that's why why I now love being a coach well said and my next question is that given your very very rich background as a professional as a consultant and you've been involved in so many different things my question is how has your background supported your coaching philosophy your style and your values it's a great question and i have reflected on this recently because i'm the first person in my immediate and extended family to go to university Mm-hmm. And I'm the first person to have more of a, a corporate or consulting role. Mm-hmm. So whilst I had a lot of support and encouragement from mm-hmm. my family to do those things, they they couldn't really provide me with real advice. I didn't have role models in mm-hmm. my inner circle. And so when I look back on it, what I've realised is I just had to be keenly observant. I really was like had my antenna up. I was watching everyone around me. And I guess I became a natural curator. Mm. Oh, I really like that. I'll take some of that. Oh, I don't like that. I'm not going to do it that way. Mm. And so I've just always had that approach of curating. And I think that's also evolved to my style as well in that, you know, I want to be open. I want to be relatable because I've come from, you know, if if I can do it, anybody can, you know, Mm. I like, I love to work with everyday people. Mm. So how do I become relatable? How do I become approachable? And, And how do I establish that trust? and help people, you know, go go forward and go beyond perhaps what their their family or their their paradigm might be. So I think that's yeah. really Yeah, that's fascinating. That's what it's all Thank about. You. Great you. response. My next question is and given your rich uh, background New Zealand, uh you said you're the first person who went to university consulting I wanted to ask you that how have you been shaped by people in your life and how have they influenced Mm. you as a coach? It's a great question. I think the first leaders that I worked with when I started at Accenture, especially the first partner uh, that led the change practice that I worked in, I actually moved from Brisbane to Sydney to, Mm -hmm. to work for this particular leader, an amazing woman by the name of Robin Brown. And that was scary for me. I was a young woman, you know, I'd left my city, I left my family to go after this opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and that woman is my mentor and my friend to this day. And she believed in me. She, she gave me that, that boost that I needed. Mm-hmm. And also other colleagues that I started with, we were, we were green, you know, we, we all had to figure it out and we had to support each other to do that. And so those early colleagues um, and a lot of women professionals, because you know, there weren't a lot of women and we had to we had to work in client environments that were very much dominated by men and we felt like we really had to prove ourselves. Uh, I remember back in those days, you know, women were not allowed to wear pants or trousers. We had okay. to wear a skirt and a jacket. We had wow. to wear stockings. Mm-hmm. We weren't allowed to colour our hair, a colour that hair wasn't normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a lot of restrictions that I think, 
you know, young women now would find quite quite hard to to yes. tolerate. Yeah. So yeah, strong strong people that I worked with, mm-hmm. uh, and now I have a strong circle of other sort of solopreneurs, and we mm-hmm. we support each other, we hold each other to account, and we again provide that safe space where we can share challenges, seek a sounding board, and, and that's really important when you have your own business as well. Wonderful. And uh, what would be, what would you say are some of your own unique perspectives that you bring to a coaching relationship? Mm. I think it comes back to that curation. So I started in organizational change. So I've worked on complex change programs and then that evolved into agile transformation, bringing in design thinking, business transformation. And now I'm working in this sort of groundbreaking space of innovation and Mm -hmm. innovation boot camps. And what I do is I I liken it to having sort of this backpack of Mm -hmm. tools and techniques and methods. And with any project or engagement, I'm drawing on things in my backpack, but I'm putting them together in a seamless way. And so people don't need to know what the origin is of a tool or a framework. It just needs to fit. And so I I drop the jargon and it's just very uh, organic the way we work, but it's inspired and informed by having in-depth experience across all of these deep disciplines. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes my approach unique. Mm -hmm. And there's another term that I use, which is called working out loud. And so what that means is it's very transparent. Mm-hmm. We're, 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 we're using those collaborative tools. We're having regular check-ins. So there's never any doubt as to what's what's coming up and, and where we're going because it's very transparent and organic all the way along. Well said. My next question you share me about is about culture. You know, you live in a very, very multicultural society, Um uh, you know, we all come from different cultures, whether it's in our homes, whether it's in the organizations we work on, the societies we live in, the country that we live in. And as a coach, we all always interact with people who probably come from different cultures. My question is, how does culture impact coaching? Mm, it's a great question. And I think it's about creating an an environment of respect and trust. Mm-hmm. So I've mentioned I'm working in the Philippines at the moment. Uh, virtually, I've done work in Thailand. Um, I we I do live in a very multicultural society. My family is multicultural. My husband is from Cyprus. Uh, so I think I. It's about you know showing interest and curiosity, but it's also about respect. Um, I think also that what I've found in some of the coaching work is that there might be certain norms in the culture that actually might stifle progress. So, for example, in the Philippines and in Thailand, there's quite a hierarchy of status, and we try and break that down in the in the work that we do, so that it doesn't matter if you're a, a millennial or someone a little older, Correct. you're you're equal in the team. So um, we try not to, you know, in, in the Philippines they they call um, more senior people, sir and ma'am. Mm. And and I've said, no, I'm not ma'am. I'm Cherie, you know, let's let's drop those terms. And so it, it has to be done with respect, of course. Um, but it's about also equipping people with with that the skills and the mindset mm. to believe in themselves. Correct. And 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 how do you create that trust? How do you create that respect so that it transcends culture mm. is what I what I strive to do. Well said. I have time for two more questions. Uh, my next question is about the young leaders. You know, I'm from the boomers generation. 
uh, and I, when I work with young millennials and Gen Z leaders, I often say that they have brought in a breath of fresh air into most organizations. My question to you, Sherry, is what are some of the areas, in your opinion, these young leaders need to be coached in? Mm. I think it's a great question. I mean, I think the young leaders bring a beginner's mindset and we encourage that when we work on innovation projects. So mm -hmm. don't feel like your lack of experience is an impediment. It's actually an asset. So ask those questions. Don't, don't feel like you can't. Um, but I feel that they need to be coached in, you know, how do they expand their worldview? What's going on? What are the, what are the mega trends? Um, what are the disruptors coming? And how might we anticipate those and respond to those so that when we're looking at solutions, we're thinking bigger? Mm. We we need to step out of our current sort of worldview, whether that be our our cultural environment, whether that be our organisation, whether that be your job description. I need to I need to help people elevate above that and look broader so that they have that broader worldview, that broader perspective. So that's a key thing. And, and it's equipping and enabling leaders of all levels right. um, to know how to do that and how to see that. Mm. I think that's really important. And my last question to you, Sherry, and this is for thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your own amazing journey, and I'm you know, a computer science graduate from New Zealand, worked across different countries, different companies, what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey and from our conversation? Well, I've actually created a framework recently that has three elements to it. So I'd love to share that. Yeah. It's, I call it my three Ds. Mm -hmm. And it's a way to think about, you know, what, how might we move towards a better future of work, mm -hmm. coming back to the original discussion mm -hmm. here. Mm. So my three Ds stand for dare, ditch, mm. and dial. And so what I'd love to inspire and encourage your listeners to think about mm. is imagine you're doing the best work of your life mm. and you're making a real difference to something that matters to you. In order for you to do that, how might you dare to define that, that bold, that aspirational purpose Mm -hmm. and bring that to life in how you might show up every day. So that's the first D, dare. Mm -hmm. The second D is ditch. How might you ditch those outdated work practices that no longer serve us, that are mm -hmm. just taking up time mm -hmm. and, and holding you back from perhaps what you might be able to do? Mm -hmm. And then the third D is dial. How might you shift the dial and dial up a better world of work that's inspired mm. by what extraordinary organisations are doing? Mm. You know, there's lots out there that we can learn about and read about. And so everyday people can do extraordinary things. Mm. But the first thing you have to do is decide what lights you up, what matters to you. So really thinking about that dare, ditch and dial, it's a very simple framework, but I think mm. it's very powerful. Mm. And if more people in the world could could think about things this way, imagine what, what we could do in solving the, the problems that we have in the world. Because I believe the world is in our hands mm. and the world actually can't wait any longer. There's okay. so many things that we need to tackle. And if we give ourselves permission to change the world, just imagine what we might achieve. Correct. Well said. And on that note, Cherie, and your three amazing lessons, which part of your 3Ds framework, which is dare to define the purpose second you said ditch those outdated work practices 
and third is dial to be able to achieve a better work and a better environment and everything else that you were looking for. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your journey. Uh, thank you for speaking to me about all the work that you're doing in transformation as a futurist and as a coach. Thank you again and good luck. Thank you so much for having me, Ashtosh. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for The Brand Called You.